Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wealth Tech Show. I've got a brilliant topic to sink my teeth into this week. Uh, Dare I say it, it might even be a little controversial. So this week, we're going to discuss the role of automation within investment management uh, and the possibility that we can create tools to take a huge amount of the legwork out of portfolio management, essentially. So for this one, I'm joined by Simon Stickney, founder and CEO of Collider. Uh, Once again, it's a case of the missing vowel in fintech. Collider is, of course, spelled C-O-L-L-I-D-R. Simon, I see you. I see, I see you shaking your head a little bit, but don't worry. We know the rules. It's fintech. You have to do it. You can't use vowels properly. It, it just seems to be accepted now. Um, anyway, look, Simon, I'm not going to quibble that. I totally get it. Um, and firstly, uh, welcome to the Wealth Tech Show. And secondly, uh, can you tell us about Collider and, and how you're hoping to shake up investment and wealth management? Hi, Ian. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, Collider, we're a, a digital investment manager. So we've, we specialize in building portfolio and risk management software that can be completely customized to individual firms' mandates. Um, and we effectively f- specialize in automating and digitalizing the role of the investment management process. Um, we use a lot of machine learning and, and AI in that process to enable that to happen. And so we're kind of well positioned to discuss today's topic. Yeah, brilliant. And I, you know, I, I say controversial topic this week because what you're actually trying to do is something that I think is great, um, making things more efficient, making things possibly more reliable through technology. But of course, it would involve a step change for the industry. It would probably involve people retraining or worse, losing their jobs. So Simon, Mike, my, my question for you is, you know, to what extent can we actually automate investment management? I know at the moment it's a human-led procedure, but are we on a path to, towards it becoming you know, AI and automation-led rather than human-led? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the the speed of evolution in the space means that it's undeniable that that eventually we'll reach that point where AI and automation takes over as the primary way in which portfolio management solutions are are delivered. I think that's very much with a a view to the future. And I guess the time it takes to get there will be the, the, the interesting kind of key challenge of the next maybe five to 10 years. I think if we look at today's reality and the two main ways that perhaps it could be utilized right now, firstly, we see really the hybrid option where you have kind of machines taking on kind of administrative tasks, reducing some of the the inefficiencies within the process in terms of gathering data and and processing that data. Um, Very much where humans are still in the role of making those decisions and applying the intelligence. the, the second way that that's being used today is where machines are starting to really be part of the intelligence and the decision-making process. And admittedly, at the moment, that is perhaps not a fully automated part of what's going on, but right now you'll see hybrid structures where ultimately intelligence is being used by fund managers to make decisions, but it's still a human decision to ultimately invest here and, and change that and, and do this. Yeah, so the, the human role kind of becomes more about oversight rather than uh, yeah, being a protagonist. Yeah, I think if you push through to a kind of a fully automated um, system that can run your portfolio management um, solutions, then ultimately, yeah, the, the role of the human is is very much in that oversight capacity, um, but also sometimes in, in research, in R&D as well. So how do you come up with new ways of doing things, different ways of doing things? Humans still have a lot of, of input on the research side, but oversight and governance will be a, a key role for humans going forward. Okay, and obviously there are implications for this. The uh, the tabloid part of me wants to say, you know, who's getting sacked, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of rein in my my worst impulses, Simon. Um, instead, what I what I kind of want to know is what what human 
parts of the process you think should be removed? You know, are there are there common errors that people make, even at the highest level of investment management, that you think you can you can iron out uh, and get rid of by automating things? Yes, I think one of the areas that is actually probably one of the areas that might be adopted much faster is really in the kind of the risk management and oversight um, part of where machines can really help humans to better understand their performance, their attributions, the biases that exist within both the decision making processes and the and the portfolios. So I think that those types of analytic tools and and capabilities already exist, and I think that's an area where we can humans can become more comfortable quicker perhaps and, and benefit from that type of input where we can we can all be affected by biases in our decision making processes as investment managers and technology is a great way of trying to minimize that impact ultimately on the end outcome mm-hmm. and, and just to give people an idea you know a better idea of collider and where you're at at the moment um, you know, what kind of companies are you working with and, and what kind of professionals are you helping to to kind of overcome those human biases yeah, so it's a it's a pretty broad mix across the across the vertical, really. So we have financial advisor practices, so independent financial advisors. Uh, we also have discretionary fund managers as clients, family offices, actuarial consultants. So it's quite a broad church of of companies that we work for, um, and I think that's what makes it quite interesting for us because there's lots of different ways to provide solutions, and that's why we modularize what we do because not everyone takes the same modules or needs the same assistance, and so we modularize the technology to be able to specifically cater for different types of business, utilizing the software in different ways to help them with their with their digital and automation challenges. Yeah, and then the modular side of things is something that's come up in the last couple of podcasts we've done actually it, it seems to be that's the way forward if you have modern technology that's built to have things plugged into it you seem to be in a better position what i want to look at now is, is you, know, you discussed how you've got ifa clients as well as wealth management clients these ifas are they are they typically people who have had in-house investment propositions are these people that have always liked that or are they people whose attitudes a bit different because i think it's one of the big divides in, in the ifa world is whether you look after your own investments or whether you outsource them in a similar vein. You could look at the passive versus active thing, which seems to you know split people quite a lot. Are you working with IFAs that want to manage their investments here? Or are you working with people who don't feel they've got the competency to run it without, without technology? It's definitely both. I think we provide the, the modularization and the different ways we can deliver the service allow us to cater for, for those two different differing types of business those that want to retain that autonomy and control over over what they're doing and evolve their businesses in-house perhaps eventually becoming discretionary in their own right and moving away from advisory providing them with the infrastructure and the the capabilities to be able to go on that journey and support them through those different stages of their life cycle through to those that have always outsourced and continue to outsource but want to perhaps recognize that technology and providing you know a digital interface for their customers to, to experience what they're providing to them um, and having their brand in front of the client rather than necessarily a third party's brand in front of the client. Uh, we've also seen a, a significant increase in demand for kind of a, a discretionary white labeled service, yeah. uh, which we can kind of help them to still provide that kind of outsourced function, but very much with their brand and their mandate in front of it, which I think is kind of the alternative, uh, the kind of the traditional outsource model. Yeah, so with, with technology, you're, you're essentially offering, offering more transparency for clients regardless of whether or not you're running the money for the the advisor yeah absolutely okay uh, interesting stuff so simon what, one question i have to ask if we're talking about collider is what is it telling you about markets right now you know using that technology what 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 trends are you seeing 
and what is it helping to identify that people may be missing? Yeah, so one of the great things about the technology we've, we've developed is that it, it adapts to market condition changes. And so the one thing that people are always obviously curious about or waiting for is, uh, you know, is when, when a system sees something new for the first time, is it able to, to respond and adapt to that? Something that's never seen before from out of the testing and out of sample. And so a good example would be COVID, right? It, you know, March 2020, systems never seen anything like that in the history a speed of decline like that and so yeah the system at a, at a great time uh, performed really really well through covid and was very early in in adapting to the, the dislocations that were occurring in markets actually in in kind of uh, february so it was alerting to clients to that shift in 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 the environment and they needed to respond accordingly in portfolios and actually we're seeing some interesting dislocations right now we're from our system perspective we're moving into a high volatility environment so we're starting to see unusual behavior and dislocations between assets occurring and so the system is responding to that as we speak and and actually we're just starting to look at exactly how we reposition portfolios to and ultimately our funds to to benefit from that uh, and when you get these signals coming through do you think you've got a head start on the rest of the market because of the technology yeah absolutely um you know you're using these these techniques specifically to identify anomalies and so they're sensitive to the kind of anomalous changes so sometimes uh, people think just because you know something spikes so you have an increase in volatility for example that that or, or you get negative returns that that systems should react or change to that but actually it's quite normal for markets to go up and down the question is is when does that become anomalous behavior and that's what the system is really focused on trying to identify is when are things not doing what they're supposed to be doing and then what's the appropriate response to that in terms of strategy or, or investment implementation or the things you should own stocks or futures or whatever it whatever it might be so it's able to then identify exactly how you should implement based on that anomaly as well um so uh, I guess uh, the next question for me now is, is how will AI and machine learning change the role of, of wealth and asset managers, you know, the people who are really putting these, these portfolios together? And, and, and you know, what do you think it actually means for the industry if AI uh, you know, and, and machine learning infiltrates really properly? Because I, I guess there's a risk that if things are based on the same, you know, built upon the same assumptions, you're going to end up with some very similar investment portfolios or similar fund approaches. Yeah, what's what's your take? Where where do you think this is taking us? Yeah, a couple of really massive questions. Yeah, there. just, just um, yeah, I'm basically asking you to answer a huge <laughs> existential question related yeah. to wealth management, Simon. We've got half an hour roughly yeah. in total, so I'll do my best. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think the best way to describe the first part is is a, it's a journey. Um, and I think that's going to clearly be over an extended period of time. I think you can broadly summarize it really where AI and machine learning and automation really comes into this process is probably across four main steps. So kind of generally summarise yeah. this for you. So I guess we've, you've, you start off with kind of automation of the admin tasks, so getting data, doing calculations, producing yeah. output from it, saving and time. And that's the stuff we all want gone, isn't it? Exactly. So you yeah. start with the basics, right? You've got to have really good foundations to be able to do anything clever on top of, right? So then you probably move on to kind of risk management. Areas you can improve performance, reduce biases, because again, it's not too intrusive on on the human decision making process. It's kind of aiding kind of yeah. the results and in, in the future to help you improve. You then kind of get on to the, the slightly more clever stuff where you start to introduce kind of investment input. So that's where you're starting to add intelligence 
to the decision-making process, where that's either aiding a human to make better decisions because it's giving you a signal or, or telling you to do something, you can then support it or not, or it's replacing the human decision because it's saying this is, you've asked it for, to do something specific and it's giving you the answer and therefore you're just going to transact on that, on that basis. Um, and at that point, once you reach that stage of, of maturity as a business, uh, frankly, the next step is then to look at really the, the full decision-making process and, and can you bring in a fully automated systematic approach to running specific mandates or specific agreements. And at that point, you've got really that kind of full adoption uh, within the business and you're, you're able to maximize uh, machines in their full capacity human oversight um, but really the machine is is running the show so I, I think that takes a considerable length of time and depending on the sophistication of the business and and your journey and all the rest of it I think it will dictate how quickly you're able to get there um, but those things exist today so if you wake up tomorrow and you and you just want to go for it it, it is totally possible to achieve um, I think the second part of your question about whether or not that then leads everyone to having a very me too proposition and the lack of differentiation. I kind of don't agree with that. I think that ultimately every customer is still unique. Everyone has different time horizons, different objectives, different return profiles, different risk appetites. Um, and, and that's whether that's an individual customer or that's all the way through it to a pension scheme remit or whatever it whatever it might be. So I think because you still have that that vast array of and shades of grey across that spectrum, um, there are still lots of different ways to achieve those those things. And there will always be, you know, the subjectivity of uh, in investment management about the most appropriate way to achieve that. So machines aren't necessarily there to say one box kind of fits everything. Um, for, for us specifically, our technology is designed around being able to create customizable solutions. And so every client can come in, set their own spec, the system will adapt and, and change to reflect that specification. And that way you're getting a completely custom outcome to your requirements, your beliefs, your house view, your customer's investment profile, etc. So I think the best use of technology is to really understand how it can be utilized to create customization at scale and then deliver really efficient, effective outcomes as an end, as an end result. Um, but as I said, it's, it's a journey. <laughs> yeah, abso absolutely. And I, I suppose the, uh, yeah, the concern I've got there w w was purely that a AI and technology could become very influential in, in, in markets and, and in fund selection. But I take your point as well about technology allows us to, to personalize things more in a scalable way. Uh, and, and to that to that end, then then perhaps you're right. Perhaps it does lead us to a situation where actually we do still see people investing across a, a diverse range of things, depending on who they are, relevant to who they are, and and their own their own you know hopes and and, and wants. We can we can hope. So yeah, it's, it's such a big question. Honestly, we could do we could probably do half an hour on that one alone, couldn't we? At least, at least, yeah. I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. Um, so. I think, uh, you know, from here, I've got to ask if, you know, you're not a wealth manager yourself these days, Simon, are you? So if you were one and you saw this kind of technology coming through, how do you think you would respond? And maybe not how do you think you would respond, but rather how would you like to think you would respond to this? Crikey, that's an, I'm having an out of body experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm taking you places today, Simon. I hadn't intended to do Pushing this. Pushing the limits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My imagination. Uh, I, I think that, I think it's often it's about education, isn't it? Um, I mean, human beings generally are naturally curious. It, it, it's, an, it's a natural disposition that we should all have, really. It's in part of us. And so I think, and we're typically all optimistic, generally. 
So I think with that kind of curiosity and optimism kind of sitting behind it, I think I would I would always be curious about people coming to me and trying to show me or educate me or explain to me different and new ways of doing things. I think I, I certainly as a personality type fall into the more progressive type anyway. So I'm always looking for the kind of the future and things that happen next. So I guess I'm always naturally led towards exploring uh, things that I think could help in the future and to be more efficient or effective and technology isn't always the answer but I think in in this industry I think if you look at the types of challenges and problems we have when we're trying to look at the engineering it just so happens that technology is the right way to solve a lot of those those big issues and challenges that we all face um, as professionals in this space so I think it's a really it's quite a difficult one for me to answer to be honest with you um, but I, I'd like to hope that I would be open-minded and willing to learn and, and listen to new ideas and new things and then ultimately look for ways that I could adopt those into my best practice and, and apply those to my to my clients to better serve them mm-hmm. it's interesting because I've spoken to some tech providers yeah you know, I speak to lots of them and and <laughs> You know, it could be a gripe, a salesman's gripe, this, rather than it being anything more. But but anecdotally and in conversations I've had, I've heard several people say that wealth managers in particular, I'm not even speaking about financial, you know, IFAs here, I'm speaking wealth managers are at times hesitant to modernize what they do tech-wise. And I, I want to know if you've experienced that at all and if you think the industry, and if we talk about the industry at large, it's obviously a big group of people, it's a diverse group of people, but do you think that it is quite difficult to get that message through that people should really think about digitizing their propositions? Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely a laggard sector. I think finance in general is quite a laggard sector if you compare it to other other industries where technology is just hugely advanced in terms of adoption rates, etc. So yeah, I would I would agree. I think we've been going for some time, and I think the channel yeah we've seen it evolve in that period of time from something that people wouldn't even engage with. It wouldn't even be a conversation to at least something now that is on the on every board item and every conversation. I think we're not quite at the stage where adoption is is the natural thing for people to want to do, but I think it has become a proactive conversation as opposed to something that people don't discuss. So I think we have seen that evolution, and it comes back to what I was saying earlier about a journey. Um, human beings, again, generally behaviorally don't like change. And I think if you're in a laggard part of the industry, kind of doing things we've always done them, um, yeah, it can be difficult for firms to, to break away from that culture and, and that cycle of thinking. Um, so we work obviously clearly with more progressive firms, firms that are already on that journey, that have embraced that change is necessary. And so for us, I guess we're mostly exposed to, to firms that have kind of consciously already said, right, we need to do things differently or we need to improve this or we need to find a solution for that. And so we're often working with like-minded people that, that kind of you know, already have an idea of the direction of travel and how they like together. Yeah, and you talked about the, the evolution of, of things there. Because th- these conversations aren't necessarily new, are they? I mean, talking about automating financial advice, wealth management, they've been going on for a while. We've seen some robo you know, propositions set up over the last seven or eight years. Some are still going. A fair amount have failed. Uh, I think like what, what I'm looking at now is, is why now? Because we've known these things are happening for a while. What gives you confidence that the technology is ready and that the market's ready uh, in a way that it perhaps wasn't five years ago? I think that's partly just the how the whole ecosystem and society has evolved in that period of time to some extent. Uh, the prevalence of tech in our in our daily lives and the way that, that has spread 
you know, through all generations and up and down the food chain. And, and I think that's just a natural part of, you know, societal evolution. So beyond the, 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 the societal kind of evolution, I think the second part would, would definitely be just the the development of the technology in the in the marketplace and the relevancy of it. So beyond how society has evolved in the last five years, I think clearly COVID has had an enormous impact. Um, and the ability to to go from having a, a three-dimensional face-to-face meeting with a customer to all of a sudden being stuck behind a screen. I think the use of technology to try and bring those conversations back to life I think has meant that everyone is scrambling to look for better ways to provide a digital solution in that type of environment. And I think that's here to stay. I think people have recognized that they don't have to go and do every single meeting face-to-face. And so they're going to look for hybrid solutions where the value add is face-to-face, but also through digital digital solutions that ultimately they can interact with live and on the fly with customers. Yeah, I can see digital opening the market up to a huge amount more people, making us more efficient. Uh, at the same time, and it's, it's slightly different to what I said earlier about the, the risk of investment propositions being similar, but what we might have is wealth management propositions that are underpinned by similar technologies. And that leads us down to a position where it might become more challenging for wealth managers to differentiate themselves. And, and, and should that be the case, how do you think the modern wealth manager should stand out from the crowd? Where, where do you think their value, you know, does their value add change at all? And, and does, their, does their proposition need to evolve around that? I think it has to evolve in line with their customer base. Uh, I think depending on which which generation you're dealing with and and how they like to to interact, that, that's clearly going to be changing over time. So I think again, you have to have a flexible framework that can adapt. And I think that's again where technology, as it becomes you know, more matured in this space, also will provide the ability to have a lot more customization and user specific journeys and experiences will allow you to customize your messaging and how you support different customers in different ways. So I think technology is just going to be so essential for the ability to deliver these kind of unique solutions to different types of customers that kind of customer base diversifies and changes as you kind of get newer newer investors in and older investors you know out i think it's natural that there'll be an evolution of of what's required to be delivered to create value for a different type of customer Mm -hmm. and and simon i've got actually you said i was going to ask you one last question before i get on to that you say a different kind of customer are you are you essentially talking about opening the market up to more people making uh you know wealth management less exclusive I think one of the the benefits of technology, and I think if you look at what we do, we we bring institutional capabilities out of the institution. We're democratizing finance by making those those skill sets and techniques available to a much wider audience. I think that's the benefit of technology. You're able to bring these types of capabilities to a a much, much wider audience than it perhaps once would have been in in the old days. And so I think technology, again, is playing a huge role in that transition and, and providing access to everybody. Is, is a key reason why why finance has to embrace technology because it's the future. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to ask you that final question. And it, it very much touches upon what you've just said and also uh, several questions that we've been through already. I want to kind of picture that we're, we're five, maybe even 10 years down the line. Say 10 years down the line. How has technology changed wealth management? Well, I think ultimately it will lead to, to lower costs more efficiency, less admin, uh, from an investment perspective, better risk management, better service, 
customer experience will be you know a, a much more enriched transparent environment um so i i, I see i see only really positives uh, for those that embrace it for those that are progressive and really engage with the technologies and how they can be utilized experiment and and get that kind of formula right i think there's uh, there's a very exciting future and lots of benefits to be had in that long run Brilliant. Simon, thank you so much for joining us. Real pleasure to have you on the Wealth Tech Show. And thank you to everyone for listening in. We'll see you all again soon.